airplanes are cool and they have nice paint on them. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with hosts Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 321 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. This is Seth Miller hosting this week, which, as everybody knows, means we're all in trouble. Uh, I am joined by Fosma Mood, as always. Foz. Hello. And also this week, another special guest. I feel like we've been doing this a lot lately. Uh, we have Nick Benson from JetTip.net. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. We've been, I feel like, you know, we've been going back and forth on making this happen possibly more than a year now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, there have been many Twitter DMs exchanged uh, between uh, us over. The- and we finally actually pulled it off. So good on us. Um, Jet tip is a very interesting concept um, and something you know, I, I'm surprised I didn't do it, I think is what I should say, given my affinity for ridiculous data mining sort of endeavors. Um, but you did, and it's awesome, and you should tell us about it. Sure. I appreciate where you're coming from very much. We both, I think, have an affinity for uh, developing hobbyist uh, projects that kind of snowball out of control a little bit from time to time. Um, so JetTip.net is a subscription service that I've created, and basically the idea is that it tells me when I should go to the airport to see a cool airplane uh, coming to my home airport here. And so what it does is it um, it grabs the it basically goes through the arrival and departure boards of uh, major airports in the United States and Canada, and it runs a little uh, it runs an analysis to determine if each flight is interesting from an AvGeek perspective or not. So if it's an airline that doesn't usually fly to your airport, if it's an airline with doing an equipment substitution that doesn't usually come to your airport. If it's a special livery, something like that, you'll get a text or an email about it. So, And that's the part I find most intriguing about this. It's not just like what's going on, but you actually put some sort of analysis into the does it matter category. Right. Yeah, I, I call it the uh, AvGeek AI. And it looks at every, <laughs> it looks at every flight uh, to determine if it's interesting or not. Um, and yeah, I suppose there's, it's, yeah, it does some editorial analysis of whether or not you should care about that airport. So what you're saying, it's, it's whether Nick thinks it's important or not. I, I mean, it is, uh, yes, you could come up with a, an academic. Yeah. Instead of AI, is it AN? Artificial Nick? That's pretty much it. I have a big list of, um, filters and things that look at all sorts of different attributes and, uh, but basically it's based on a 30 day rolling history of how many times that airline, that airline and that type uh, whatever have been to your airport. So, so do you call out why that uh, flight might be of particular interest? Um, it, it depends on the aircraft. Uh, it might have some in the note that you get with the alert. It might say something like noteworthy aircraft or test bed, uh, special livery, things like that. So it does give a very brief descriptor. Uh, but in, in other instances, uh, it may be left up to the uh, the user's interpretation as to whether or not they should care about that airplane. So, so you know, I know our producer at large will care about this. Is your AN smart enough to figure out when you have a new livery with an old nose like United always does? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could keep up with things as re- religiously enough to make note of that. To have the Please don't. Please yeah. don't. <laughs> the, uh, check, I'll have to add a checkbox for the wardrobe malfunction, as they call it. Yeah. Um, yes. No, I, it does not keep track of that because that would be an absolute nightmare for me to keep uh, keep tabs on all the time. But I, yes, if there was some way, if, if the airlines could add that as a data field that would get picked up by the popular flight data services and I could tag that, I would more than happily uh, run that data through for the end users, but too much for me to keep track of otherwise. Yeah. And I know we were chatting the other day, like uh, JetBlue showing up in Omaha for no apparent reason. Uh-huh. I mean, it was a charter flight, obviously, but like that one triggered an alert, right? Because they don't normally fly there. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. 
And um, yeah, so chargers like that are actually something that uh, we've been, those are a great example of something that would throw an alert. Um, and I've been collaborating with another uh, uh, guy on Twitter, Doug Kroll is his name, and he runs the sports aviation Twitter account. And he is obsessed with keeping tracks of keeping track of athletic uh, flight charters. So every college, not every college athletic event, but many of them, he'll keep tabs of where they're flying, what airport, what airport and which airline and things like that. So I've been collaborating with him to keep track of the uh, NFL charters every week um, to put together a blog post for that, because generally those are big, um, big, heavy aircraft from airlines going to airports that they don't usually fly. And that's interesting to a lot of people. So yeah, like Hawaiian flying its A330s on hops within the mainland. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And Atlas has those two. um the two former Houston Express 747s that they're flying for. Is I think. that where those came from? Yeah, yep. So, okay, those are the ones that used to go to, was it, uh, it's Africa, right? Yeah, it was somewhere between, it was like Houston and Angola, I want to say, maybe? Luanda, right? Something but, like Yeah, there, it was Angola. Okay. Because okay. it was the uh, petrochemical folks. Right. So, yeah, those two aircraft are appointed much better than the usual kind of 747. Atlas has a few other passenger 747s that they use mostly for doing uh, military charters um and the, the old houston express aircraft are are not that they are very yeah very nice so and i think uh steven who couldn't be with us tonight uh hasn't taken them but knows more about him just from his time in houston Lu- luanda sure. is the capital of angola so okay right perfect um on that front um and you've also started tracking i'll say to a slightly lesser extent but still special flights uh a lot of the planes uh in and out of michigan smaller rural airports this week Yes, uh, the uh, COVID-19 distributions from Pfizer have begun. Uh, they've got a plant in Kalamazoo, apparently, where they uh, are, are storing the vaccines. And those were entering the UPS and FedEx uh, networks this weekend through Lansing and Grand Rapids, which are the nearest mainline stations for FedEx and UPS, respectively. So those first flights with a vaccine took place on Sunday. And it sounds like they're going to be getting trucked to Memphis and uh, Louisville after today. So we'll see. But yes, is all eyes on Michigan this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, so. listen, the, the, vote, the electoral college stuff happened on Monday. It's done now. Yep. Um, maybe. Um, uh, well, hopefully. I don't know how many times Biden can win the election. So we'll see. Um, now, I, actually, it's funny you talk about the uh, the first rounds of the vaccine going by plane and then later going by truck, which we've also seen some of the trucks roll out. And obviously, they had to drive it from the facility in Kalamazoo to the airports, but also now they're going to just be driving more of it. Um, bizarrely, my thought on that goes to similar, uh, we're a couple weeks late for it now, but uh, the Beaujolais Nouveau deliveries from France, where the first cases are flown to the United States um, and sold at a premium, and then later cases come by ship because it's much more affordable and they don't have to actually worry about it. And it all still tastes the same, right? Um, which is to say not very good. But um, I don't know why my brain went there, but maybe it's the glass of vodka I just drank. Uh, it could contribute to that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. There's been a lot of, I, I think a lot of people are kind of expecting special flights that are just full of vaccine going out across the country. And that's not, it's my understanding that that's not really going to be the case. It's the, in the, at least here in the United States, the vaccine distribution is largely going to be handled by the normal FedEx or UPS flight that would be coming to your city uh, every day, regardless of whether or not there was vaccine distribution happening. Um, and other than 
maybe an, an extra couple of vehicles at the airport to pick up the containers with the vaccine in it. I don't I don't know that there's going to be anything from a from an aviation enthusiast perspective that would be particularly interesting or noteworthy or exciting about the vaccine distribution. Yeah. The uh, FedEx and U- yeah, FedEx and UPS to have a pretty well established system for mailing boxes of things around here in the United States. And uh, yeah, there's, there's really Turns no need to change. Well. Yeah, it does. So and, we're very and fortunate. And they're legally allowed to hire additional staff, unlike the Postal Service, which is like falling apart and collapsing this Christmas. Oh, my. I, I just say that as someone who started shipping lots of new things from my newest online store this past month and watching the delay, the delays creep up and up and up. And it's enraging. So it has been frustrating. Um, I, what else was going to say about uh, I had something else about. The, oh, the uh, United made a big deal about having flown uh, some of its cargo only flights from Brussels to O'Hare. Mm hmm carrying the vaccine and American made a big deal today about flying last we're recording this on Monday. So last night on Sunday, they flew a plane from Chicago to Miami on a triple seven. And then this morning connected onward to an unnamed Caribbean Island, uh, or maybe it was one of the U S territories, um, Mm -hmm. with additional, uh, vaccine as part of the cargo. So it's, you know, in some ways it kind of doesn't matter at all. Um, in other ways, I do feel like they're, the airlines are trying to, and claim be part of the victory. I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird scene to me. It is an interesting scene. I it's yeah, it's kind of a perfect. If you're one of the if you're UPS or in FedEx, uh, I would imagine their media relations uh, this week has got to be kind of a perfect storm situation for them because this is the same week that a lot of their last week and this week they've been ramping up for the peak cargo season to handle all of the holiday gifts and everything that need to be shipped around. And in addition to that, they have everyone, I, I mean, you've seen all the TV clips, uh, especially from UPS, especially I've seen uh, lots of video and uh, news segments where they're interviewing the pilots in front of all of the brown tails in Louisville at the World Port. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big day to be UPS or FedEx. Uh, oh yeah, press opportunities galore. Absolutely. And they had, I know UPS had, I saw some of the reporting, I think from Chris Van Cleve, I follow on Twitter, who's CBS, and he was... I think in Michigan and then in Worldport, like hours later, but not on the cargo flight. So don't yes, know I saw, how he yeah, pulled that off. But yeah, I saw one of the reporters. Yeah, uh, strolling casually, strolling through a seven forty seven with one of the ULDs behind him. Uh, yeah, as as one does in uh, Louisville. So it must be nice. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I will say it's funny. You said it's mostly not going to be cargo only shipping, which is an interesting and makes sense. Obviously, Are, right? Like, there's not. There's, you mean you mean vaccine only shipping? Vaccine only. Yes. yes sorry. Um, no and. But at the same time, like from IATA had been making huge noise in recent weeks slash months about how, oh, it's 8,747s worth of shipments and things like that. I guess it's, you know, it's just trying to provide scale, but sure. like, it's going to take, we need 8,747s to ship this stuff, to which my response was, you know, they can fly more than once, right? Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a small fraction or even a, some sort of a fraction of many thousands of flights to be sure. But the, yeah, it's. It's not going to be dedicated. There, there might be some dedicated flights between distribution centers and like the main hubs, I would guess. But I, even then, it sounds like that's going to be pretty limited. Uh, yeah, just because it's it's less, much less expensive to send all of that by truck to the the main hubs where they'll get put on yeah. an airplane. So, and it's also interesting. I know there's been a, a little bit of talk about how the Pfizer vaccine needs to be held at like negative seventy Celsius mm-hmm. um, to remain effective and how that's going to work um it's apparently packaged in its own sort of self-contained cooler system Mm -hmm. 
Um, so there's still dry ice in there, which is a challenging situation for airlines. I know United didn't release, but published to their pilots, and then it was leaked onto the interwebs, um, notice about how they've got special dispensation for the high volume of dry ice needed to move the vaccine when they flew it from Brussels to O'Hare. But I do wonder if there's something like that the cargo carriers, because they're allowed to fly more dry ice just in general, um, are better suited for it than a passenger airline or the United States Postal Service, which uses passenger belly space anyways. Yeah, I, it's, yeah, it is very interesting. I, yeah, it's like you said, it, the containers, at least for the, the Pfizer vaccine, just look, it looks like a stack of pizza boxes that has some dry ice in the top. And, uh, yeah, it's very nice, very well insulated though. They yes. seem to maintain their temperature for a long period of time. Indeed. So and again, you, you can drive it. <laughs> yeah. And you can fit a ton of doses in a very small space. So. Yeah. Just going to keep making them. Um, exactly. So should we expect, not, not next week, I guess two weeks from now, that alerts will start popping up in Miami and LaGuardia? Um, f- for the max? Oh, for the max. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for the <laughs> assistance there. Yes, there have been a few alerts getting sent out for the 737 maxes as they've been getting shuffled around. Um, the media flight that went to, Americans' media flight to Tulsa through alerts last week when that happened. And um, yes, those alerts have been popping up from time to time now as the Max is re-entering service. And, and I guess those. you probably are, I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't state, I should ask, because I'm actually not sure. Um, <laughs> like a delivery or a maintenance flight or anything like that, as long as it's got a flight number, does it show up? Yeah, basically, as long as it shows up, um, the FlightAware's data service is where the vast majority of my data is coming from. And so basically, if, it, if it's something that will show up on FlightAware, it's something that will show up on JetTip. And so that's, yeah, pretty much everything that's done flight-wise in an airliner size is going to show up on, is going to show up, uh, on JetTip. So. Yeah, I'm just thinking like, uh, right, like there's delivery flights that have been happening or. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah, the delivery. Coming out, of support, coming out of maintenance kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the delivery flights and ferry flights, maintenance. Yes, if they're filing a flight plan with FAA, which they are, uh, yes, they'll show up. So. Nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, as I say, the max obviously for you will trigger uh, December 29th uh, for the passenger flight, but you don't get Mexico, do you? No, I don't have coverage in Mexico right now. Uh, there has not been much demand for it, uh, yeah. as far as I can tell. So, now the only reason I bring it up is Air Mexico finally published its schedule for bringing the Max back. So, oh, excellent! Will they be flying any of those to the United States? Not yet. Okay. Um, the initial schedule is. Mexico City to Tijuana to, excuse me, Mexico City to Cancun to Tijuana and back, basically, sort of a triangle, and then they add Monterey in um, later next week. But that was actually an interesting one. I was looking at the schedule um, of that and trying to sort of, you know, writing about it. I had no idea. Guess how far it is to fly from Cancun to Tijuana? Thousand miles? High or low? I'll say twelve hundred. It's like 2,100 miles. Holy cannoli. Yeah, I was like, I looked at it, I'm like, this can't, I looked at the duration, I was like, this can't be right. What are they talking about? Of course it was right. I'm just, yeah, Mexico's pretty big. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that's getting to be far enough that the Great Circle map route actually has a little bit of a bend in it, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, it's a crazy line. Um, it's, it Part of it is that Cancun is, like, due south of Pensacola, so sure. pretty far east, and then it's south, and Tijuana's all the way up at San Diego, so you go... A decent amount west plus a bit north, but yeah, it's a surprisingly long flight, uh, which threw me off. Two thousand twelve miles. Huh. Well, there you I go. Suppose. Yeah, um, and that's the Great Circle route, which includes cutting off a chunk of Texas. So assume they don't do that to save the overflight costs, and it gets a little longer. Um, 
And it does have a tiny bit of curve to it, as you noted. Um, but yeah, no, they're flying it starting next week, uh, next Monday, and then it'll grow from there. Um, you know, starting slow, sort of like American, just one plane uh, for the first few days and then ramping up. But it'll be interesting. Do you get to collect the additional miles and points to avoid, uh, on account of avoiding Texas airspace? <laughs> I've lobbied for that before. It turns out it does not work in your favor. Yeah. Um, what else I got here? Uh if someone in the United States buys those old French 342s and they end up flying here, can we get alerts on those two? Absolutely. Assuming, <laughs> assuming, uh, I, I shouldn't say absolutely. If so they are, if they're, if they're bought by a, uh, an eccentric billionaire, for example, those, uh, the private airliners are oftentimes blocked from the data service. So sadly, no alerts on those if they, if they are big on their privacy. But yeah. in other cases, sometimes the people who would fly an A340 want you to know they're out flying them around. So who knows? We'll see. I mean, if I had an A340-200, I'd want people to know about it. Absolutely. Um, so the backstory there is not enough thoughts. Did you see this? Did I share it with you? Uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, the French government owns a pair of old 342s um, and is selling them at auction on the 22nd. Starting bid is 80,000 euro. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what the actual, uh, going price is. Uh, the one, the major challenge is you have to get it off the property at Charles de Gaulle by the end of the year. Is uh, that with or without eight engines for 80,000? No, all in. Including the, and it includes the registration certificate and everything. The only thing that you are legally obligated to do in the first 30 days is paint over the, uh, change delivery. So it no longer says Republic Francaise on the outside. You can, but for 30 days, you can fly around as though you are the French government. You can have your own little UN week all by yourself. <laughs> so is it like when you buy a new car, do they fill it up all the way? Uh, no, you're responsible for all those things. Uh. Yeah. And actually, it's, it was interesting. I actually reached out jokingly to uh, Steve. I'm blanking on his last name now. Um, I don't know, if, Nick, if you know him. JTT Steve? Oh, yes, yes, sure. Uh, so he, uh, is a guy on Twitter. Uh, he runs a, essentially an aircraft delivery and repo business. Uh, he's type rated as a pilot in command on 10 different types, including the 340 family. Um, and so I asked him, you know, jokingly, if I needed him on short notice to get me a plane out of Paris, uh, if he could pull it off. And of course he said yes. <laughs> um, but the cost of doing that was very surprising to me. And it was, he said, basically, to fuel it up and get it back from Paris to the East Coast, he knows I live in, you know, near Portsmouth, um, would be about $120,000 to buy a, an $80,000 plane. Which, I mean, seven, six hours, seven hours fly time, large jet that, you know, guzzles fuel. That number doesn't, it's like you know, 20000 bucks an hour plus insurance. Um, doesn't sound that terrible to me, but still. When you consider the social media engagement that you would inevitably get from this, <laughs> it from the like a reasonable investment, right? I mean, depending on what you're usually paying per those thousand clicks, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, it might not I, be I think it's a big. reasonable advertising. I got to maybe I'll talk to my wife and see if we can invest in this as a business opportunity. If we all pool our free AdWords credits from Google together, perhaps, uh, perhaps that could go towards it too. Now, could you sell the belly space on it and bring cargo to help you know chip away at the cost? <laughs> <laughs> See if anyone needs to get some vaccines delivered from Paris to Portsmouth this week. I mean, Paris is just a train ride from Brussels. There you go. You <laughs> could do it Boeing style and you just take three or four doses on there and then have the senators speak in front of it while you uh, unload it. And, uh, <laughs> that would be a good way to do Come it. On, those are like three or four cases of masks. Those are very important PPE orders on that dream lifters. As someone with immediate <laughs> family uh, who are on the front lines as nurses in all of this, and who had been uh, suffering from the shortages of PPE, uh, I was a little bit skeptical 
when they only used uh, 4% of the available volume and payload space on those Dreamlifters uh, for their uh, big PR stunt there. That was a little bit frustrating and uh, to me. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, you know, also like just the reality. <laughs> right. I, it was. <laughs> We've got this giant plane that we can use as a cargo carrier. We will fly a tiny little bit of PPE around in it. I mean, someone very important got to hold up a picture of the big giant airplane and say that it was helping. So that's right. worth something, I suppose. And at this but, point, uh, Boeing needs every little bit of win it can get. Yes. And yes, hats off to Boeing for using 5% of their airplane to help. That was very nice of them. <laughs> Good job. Um, a couple of frequent flyer things um, I wanted to talk about tonight um, or this episode. Uh, there's a six guys were arrested, one of whom was extradited from Warsaw this on week. Fr- on Friday. This last week, yeah, for stealing millions of frequent flyer miles. And I mean, Fies, you, you apparently know more about it than I do. Um, this is a crazy story. Yeah, I mean, I just read the little um, blurb, but basically these guys were um, – I don't exactly understand how it works, but it seems like the guy in Poland was the one breaking into people's frequent flyer accounts. And then he used the five guys – I think it's five folks in the States as the middlemen to actually set up transactions uh, for booking people – for booking flights for folks. And – and I don't know how the what, what was in it for the middle guys. What the middle guys would do this, and then but customers would send money orders to the guy in Poland. Yeah, presumably the middlemen got paid something as a finder's fee. But when were these people taking these flights? Was was this very recently, or has the investigation been going on for a while? I believe it's been going on for a little while. Yeah, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it, seem, it seems like, lately. it seems like a bad time to start the uh, frequent flyer mile uh, transfer hustle game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He was arrested in May um, in Poland, so it goes back uh, some period of time. It okay, doesn't okay. say exactly how far. And kudos to the FBI for getting PNR misspelled in their release. But excuse me, not the, it's the, the United States Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Texas because it was handed out of their Dallas uh, facility. Um, yeah, they uh, Poland, Allen, Texas, Oklahoma City, Spencer, Oklahoma, Folsom, California, and Los Angeles, California. Um, it, the uh, he was arrested. It's unclear if the other five were also actually. Now that I see, read this say, more closely. I wonder how many of those miles you would have to steal uh, before you're in. I mean, obviously, it had to have been a lot of the the federal government is interested in investigating it. It must have had some legitimate amount of value, I suppose. Yeah, and it would have to be a federal crime because everything airlines is federal, and also uh, interstate wire fraud generally would be. Yeah, because it was prosecuted as wire fraud. At this point, basically everything can be prosecuted as wire fraud because it all uses computers. True. Don't, don't give anyone any ideas. One thing I don't understand is like, why would you have U.S. money orders shipped to Poland rather than having them cashed here and then transferred electronically? One of the five men who would then send that information along with the money order to Poland, and then that guy in Poland would, yeah, it was, I guess, yeah, that seems like a strange way to move the money, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. It's what, to, what airlines to, were they stealing the money for, or the excuse me, the miles from? Uh, it doesn't say okay. um, which, but millions of earned airline miles across multiple airlines. I assume. I'd imagine that AA is probably a major one since it's in Dallas. Mm. Yeah, Where that would make sense. Got, started, yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, that's that. That was just an interesting, uh, funny story. I'll say, um, mostly funny because I didn't lose any points in it, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, the other story, and Foz, you also want to talk about this one a little bit, was the Aeroplan had a cool announcement this week. Yeah, Aeroplan has decided that they're going to become a partner with Chase Ultimate Rewards and launch a U.S. card with Chase. 
Yeah, which is, I mean, they had a U.S. card once in the past, so it's not that unreasonable. It's not but once it's... in the past. They had it t- until two weeks ago. Did they? Okay. As far as I know, I don't even know if they've killed it yet, but it, they had a card issued by TD Bank, but TD Bank is not a national bank, and they don't really have a very large uh, credit card footprint. And part of that, I mean, the reason they're with TD Bank is because TD Bank is owned by Toronto Dominion in Toronto. Yeah, but... Going with Chase is a big, big shift. Then it is a big shift. It gives them national exposure and just adds to Chase's portfolio of uh, co-branded cards. One of the interesting, so there's two interesting things about this, or three that I can think of. One, they announced all of this for things to happen in quote late 2021. So none of this is happening soon. So yay! Is this just like to keep people talking? I suspect it might be. Uh I mean, Re- required for winding down the TD card, you think? Yeah, I th- that's what I was going to say. I think they're, they're going to, I, if it's the window's that long, I imagine it's, it's going to be a single issuer in the States. So they have to phase out the old one. Yeah, I know when they did, uh, when they announced the new program, it was, the timing was triggered by the banks vis a vis all the earnings r- stuff changing on all the credit cards. There's, you know, there's frequent flyer laws and then there's actual real laws for things like banks and financial institutions. <laughs> um, so that that could be it. Uh, so that was one of the interesting things. Uh, the second is that it's going to be a MasterCard, not a Visa, which for Chase, in my experience, is very weird. I don't know. My United card is still a MasterCard. Which card, United card do you have? Well, President's Club. Yes. Okay. The, the oldest pres- United. The oldest United card issue. <laughs> no, no, no. It's the one that does one point five. Okay. So it was the first United card, the merge United card with the United okay. Club card. But you, ha- when you converted from the President's card, you had the option to stay with MasterCard or shift to Visa. Okay. Yeah, I just I feel like like what they did, uh, and maybe it's just the Chase branded stuff that's all Visa in my experience. I know when there was at one point I want to say the Ink cards were MasterCards and Chase switched them all to Visas and like didn't get out of the MasterCard business, but made a big deal of it. It, yeah, I do remember the, my ink going from MasterCard to Visa. Um, but, I mean, this probably has more to do with the opportunity that MasterCard saw versus what Visa was willing to contribute, right? It had probably has less to do with Chase or probably has more to do with MasterCard. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a fair point, right? There's no reason – because I, I because the, the Chase cards I use are all Visas, I think of that as more their wheelhouse, but they don't care, right? They can They clearly work with both programs, so – that makes some sense. Yeah. I mean, do we are the Canadian cards Mastercards or Visas? Uh, I know they have a pretty strong MX card <laughs> in Canada. Uh, I don't know what the other ones are. I know there are other cards from the two other banks, but I don't remember what. Uh, yeah, because in um, they all issue cards up there. Uh, Visa. Okay. When you say they all, you mean any bank can issue any brand? No, not no, no. So in Canada. Banking relationships are very different than in the U.S. So this was explained to me by some of the airplane folk. But basically, if your primary bank is TD, you only want the TD credit card. If your primary bank is CIBC, you only want a card for CIBC. So that's why Aeroplan has agreements with all the big banks up there to issue cards. Oh, so the customer wants to keep their credit card relationship with their primary normal bank. Yep. Savings or whatever, checking savings bank. Uh, Interesting. I used to do that. But I really didn't like Chase, and then I finally moved and had an opportunity to change and had to because I don't have any banking, banks up here. Um, but um, two other topics um, that I want to talk about with Nick a little more um, as we sort of push towards the end of this week's episode. I don't know how long we've been talking. Hey, we've been talking a good while. Um, one is, uh, well, no, it's really just one topic. I take that back. Um, 
What's your favorite plane that you managed, you know, from a livery or aircraft type or whatever perspective that you managed to get an alert for? Well, that I've gotten an alert for? Yeah. And the reason I asked this, and I'll give you, I'll, I'll ramble for a few seconds to let you think about an answer to that is, as part of this uh, episode, we're giving away uh, a couple memberships to Jet Tip um, that will be, that uh, DLD is going to buy for you. So some are, for our listeners, they need to tweet um, to Jet Tip and mention Dot's Lines and say what their favorite uh, aircraft is that they've liked to see flying. Um, and it can be because of the livery on it, because of the type of airplane it is, because of the whatever, whatever, whatever. Come up with a reason. I don't really care. But if you mention both of us on Twitter in the next week or so, we'll pick a couple winners and uh, get you hooked up with a free membership. But, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. That was a good idea. Yeah. That was made up. Very <laughs> good. Thank you. Well, that's excellent. The, I think the coolest airplane that I've seen on an account of an alert that I have sent myself would have been the uh, for the NASA Sophia Telescope, uh, Flying Ooh. Telescope, which is, a, if you're not up on that, that is a 747 SP, which is the, the sports, the, you know, the short sports model. Uh, and it's been modified. They cut out a big uh, section of the fuselage near the tail, and they put a telescope in the thing. And it's the most ridiculous... Uh, why, how or why that makes any sense to have a telescope that is in the air in an airplane, it seems completely insane, but they've done it and it's a, it's co-sponsored between NASA and the German, um, space program, which is DLR, if I'm remembering correctly. And, um, yeah, that's the coolest thing I've seen on account of the jet tip alert. I, I took the kids out of school, uh, which they thought was, uh, very exciting. They're, uh, also the coolest plane your kids have ever seen. Right. Skip school. Exactly. They were big fans of that. They're, my kids are lucky kids. They've seen a lot of cool airplanes, but I think they would put that up at the top of their list, too. Um, yeah, that, that was a very cool experience to get to see a, an SP uh, in general. I remember I saw it flying overhead in Los Angeles um, at Spot LAX a couple of years ago, and I was just excited to see it flying overhead. But to see it land and take off and taxi right past where I was uh, and to be able to share that with my kids, that was a really cool experience. So. Yeah, yeah I would put that up at the top of the list, I think. No, it, it's been around since pre-Hubble, right? So, like, it was the highest altitude telescope for a long time. I would, yeah, I, I that's think. a great question. I, I don't know. Hubble's been around forever, and so has this as far as... No, I remember when I Hubble went up in the space shuttle, so I'm... Well, I mean, I can, yeah, but. I can remember, I can remember what, I can remember that they had to, Fix you know, it. when they had to go up and bang on it with a wrench or whatever. I, I, I remember that, <laughs> but I, I'm getting older, too, but I, yeah, anyway... Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. It, they, they, you're able to observe from both hemispheres. You're able to get up above. I know, um, the, the, the amount of moisture in the atmosphere causes trouble when you're doing observation. And I know there might be sometimes your position on Earth, uh, you need to be able to move, uh, to follow something. So yeah, obviously there are legitimate reasons to have this. It's just the amount of engineering that has to go into something like that is mind boggling. So I think part of the fascinating thing of the, that particular plane is its age and the fact that it's still out there. Yeah, and it just did a sea check. Like they just they just took it in. Um, it was just back in uh, Hamburg. I think they do the maintenance there. Lufthansa Technik does it. I believe that is correct. Um, so I, the part the part that's surprising to me, sorry, Fod, is that it's the vibration of an airplane. They managed to get still pictures. Yeah, it's yeah, it's completely remarkable. I mean, and they're moving. To, yeah, I mean, it's, they're literally opening the door on the side of a seven forty seven, and they, yes, at altitude, at altitude. Very impressive image stabilization uh, for the photography people out there. Uh, indeed, it's uh, very cool. So, yeah, generally, that's the coolest airplane that I've gotten to see. I, I think it's it's my uh, opinion that the best air passenger airliner flying today uh, is the uh, Air Kalen uh, A330 Neos 
that are out. I believe that is the best combination of a good-looking airplane and a good-looking livery that is out there. Uh, sadly, those uh, that is an airline that operates out of French Caledonia. Sadly, though, their fleet never comes to the United States or North America for any reason whatsoever. Uh, so I have not had the chance to see one in the flesh yet, but I would like to very badly. That's a beautiful, beautiful paint paint scheme. They know how to they know how to design a, a good-looking airplane, uh, or they know how to paint an airplane in a. Uh, uh, Polynesia and uh, the ocean, re- the Pacific Ocean region, uh, Air Fiji and Qantas and um, Air Tahiti Nui all have beautiful aircraft. So, so I had a question about JetF. Do you integrate with the Squawk Alerts? I do not do anything with Squawks. No, I do not. But you will pick up diversions. Yeah, it'll pick up diversions for sure. It's the same. The same rules apply to a diversion as they would with any other airplane. So if you're here at Minneapolis and a Delta 737-900 diverts here, you would not get an alert for it because you there. who could possibly care about a Delta 737-900 here at Minneapolis? There are dozens of them every day. But if it is something unusual, uh, it will get an alert. We've had them here for um, oftentimes we'll get uh, airplanes that have a medical uh, diversion. We'll get, get alerts for those uh, from time to time. Um, and of course, here in Minneapolis, we're always excited for bad weather in Chicago because that means the airplanes coming in from Asia generally uh, will divert to Minneapolis and uh, wait out the weather. So that's uh, always exciting here in the summer, especially with their uh, thunderstorms that can come through and cause trouble at O'Hare. So you're the guy actually cheering for trouble at O'Hare. I mean, I understand that diversions <laughs> cause trouble. I've described it. It's like uh, if you're storm chasing, uh, you don't want a tornado to happen anywhere and cause anyone any trouble. But if a tornado is going to happen anyway, you might as well be there to document it. Uh, You'd like it to be about a quarter mile away and moving the other direction. Yeah, moving the other <laughs> direction in good light uh, would be preferable. Over um, a field, hopefully. Over a field with some picturesque uh, organic debris flying up that won't harm anyone. Yes. Um, yeah, that's all good. <laughs> yeah, I I understand for the people in operations and passengers, too. Obviously, diversions are no fun, but... Yes, if they're going to happen anyway, I am more than happy to stand out there like an idiot and take a picture of your airplane as it lands and departs. That's good times. Awesome. All right. Um, I think I'm going to call it on uh, the main section of our conversation here. we got a couple other topics we're going to talk about, including some ridiculously fun cargo uh, flights that have been happening lately uh, in the bonus section for our Patreon listeners. Um, but as a reminder, uh, well, not as a reminder, but thank you very much, Nick, for being on the show. Really appreciate uh, your insights and the conversation. Thank you, My, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, you can find Nick at JetTip, JetTipNet, right? Yeah, at Jet at JetTipNet on Twitter. Um, and like I said, if, if for the next week, which I guess if this goes live on the 17th, then at some point, we'll call it noon Eastern on Christmas Eve, I will pick a few winners that have mentioned JetTipNet and Dots Lines in a tweet at the same time and told us about an airplane that you like in some way, shape, or form. Um, and you'll get a Christmas present from us lovely folks here um, as part of that. So send us a tweet. Let us know what you think about airplanes. Um, looking forward to that. Um, beyond that, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Dots Lines or moredotsmorelines.com. Uh, leave us comments. Obviously, I've now said like 18 times, send us a tweet, but there's a good reason this time. Uh, and we will catch you next time. Take care. See you. Thanks for listening.